But I think eventually, if we as a collective can all be on the same frequency and work as one mind, um, I think we're going to tap into a whole new universe. That was Maggie Fromm. I'm your host, Michael Dunphy, and this is the Further Liberation Podcast. Maggie teaches yoga and also coaches divine souls on transforming their lives through self-love, healthy habits, and building their connection to source. She is also the creator of a wellness retreat called Habits for Happiness. This is my first time connecting to her, and it was such a delightful conversation. I hope you enjoy it, and thank you as always for tuning in to the Further Liberation Podcast. Um, yeah. So this is uh, unprecedented for me. <laughs> Every time I've ever done a podcast so far, I've obviously known who I was going to interview or speak with. So this is pretty cool. Um, just to give some background for anybody who's listening, I had a scheduled guest that had to cancel last minute for personal reasons. And so Maggie, right? Mm-hmm. Maggie and I are in a, like a mastermind group together. So I just sent a message out to the group saying, does anybody want to jump on a podcast with me? And she reached out. So I just changed my sound setting there for a second. You can still hear me fine? I can, yep. Excellent. Okay, perfect. Awesome. So I guess the first thing we should talk about is who you are, because I know absolutely nothing about you. Awesome. Well, my name is Maggie Fromm, and I currently live in California. Mm-hmm. So a little bit about me, my corporate day job is in advertising, but I am a light, a light worker, of course, okay. and I am currently getting my yoga training. I love connecting people. My mission in life is to really help people become the best versions of themselves mm. through a variety of ways. Um, mostly connecting. I do breath work. I do guided meditation. Mm-hmm. And um, I really just love love connecting people and um, helping them shine their light and really discover who they are. Mm, very cool. Good stuff. So um, what brought you or what put you on that path? Were you always somewhat of a spiritual person or did it come later in life for any particular reason? It definitely came later in life. So I mm-hmm. found myself, um, all right, my dog. So I found myself like chasing happiness. Mm. Um, I was moving around. I'm originally from Pennsylvania. I've lived in Jacksonville, Florida. I got a job opportunity and moved to the middle of nowhere, Mississippi. And then um, I moved to Key West, Florida. And now here I am in California and all these different locations. It's been me chasing this external happiness, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the job in Mississippi, you know, living on an island in Key West and, you know, going to California, coming here. And it wasn't until I started um, to really dive deep, I had connected with a friend and they, he introduced me to Dr. Joe Dispenza. And I really got into his work, started reading um, all his books and just listening to different podcasts. And I ended up going to a personal development um, conference where it just like finally clicked where it's like, I'm the only one who can make me happy. Mm. Like, like I'm the only source of this happiness. And all I have to do is, is tap into that. And ever since then I've been on like an extreme, very fast moving, uh, personal development journey and finding my purpose, my light. And I'm working on, you know, transforming my life to, to make that happen and share it with others. That's beautiful. Thank so, you. How long has this been going on for you? Well, I would say all in all, probably four, almost five years. Okay. Right on. Yeah. Uh, how old are you, by the way? 30. Ah, 89 or 90? I just turned 30. I'm 90. Ah, I'm 88. I'll be 32 in November. Scorpio? No, Sagittarius. Okay. Well, yeah. this is your full moon today. Is it? Yeah, we're a full moon in Sagittarius today. Cool. So, oh, that's interesting because I've, you know, for the past few years, I've been more interested in astrology in general. Um, when I was younger, I basically just dismissed, dismissed it outright. 
I didn't think it was scientific and all the scientists I looked up to were told me it wasn't. So I just took their word for it essentially. But uh, after I realized a lot of the things I thought were true, weren't true. I opened my mind to a lot of different concepts. So astrology being one of them and the way it made sense to me was just that everything literally is vibrational waves. Like our entire reality is just frequency vibrations, waves. So it made sense to me that the ways in which the planets move through space-time do have a ripple effect. They're sending out waves throughout the universe. So I don't know if it actually determines your personality or anything like that. I don't know. I never looked deeply into it. But obviously, all waves, like since there's no closed system, these waves are pushing outward through every direction. They're going to have an effect on everything they interact with. The same way you drop a rock in a pool those waves are going to push out and affect other waves. There's no stopping it. You know, it's, it's all interacting with itself. So it made sense to me that the ways in which the planets and the sun and everything moves, the galaxy moves, it all pushes out waves into reality. And that does have effect on the matter that we are. I love that. That's such an interesting way to think about it. I guess I naturally, I'm just like, Oh, it makes so much sense because it really is like, um, connecting with me, but mm-hmm. you know, Sagittarius, it makes sense that you have a podcast because you guys are very much about creativity and mm. using your imagination. And right now it's kind of interesting because um, we're in the sun sign of Gemini, which is communication and kind of the self. Mm-hmm. And then we have a full moon in Sagittarius. So it's this creativity. There's actually a lot of like astrological things going on right now, which explains a lot of what's going on in the world. Um, so you probably have some intense, um, emotions happening around this time, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's super interesting to me. I'm not, um, an astrologist by any means, but I do follow it. Yesterday I did a moon circle. Um, so my friend's a shaman and she hosts, um, moon circles. Sorry. She hosts moon circles every month for the new moon and the full moon. Mm -hmm. So I've learned a lot like from her. So what does a moon circle entail? So typically it would be in person, but obviously with everything going on, she started doing them virtually, which is great. Um, Ours are all women. I mean, I guess you could have some that are Mm co-ed and you come together and really, this is like a sacred ritual that has been going on for thousands of years um, around the moon cycle and understanding lunar manifestation. So it's Mm -hmm. aligning your life with the phases of the moon to uh, manifest the things that you want. Or release the things that you don't want, particularly in the full moon. Um, So yeah, so we do a a few things and a guided meditation and some sharing, but it's Mm -hmm. uh, it's really cool. So have you ever attended one in person before the lockdown? Mm -mm, No. I see. So that would be brand new to you as well then. Oh, I will be doing it. Yeah, that's cool. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like there's going to be a surge of like different kinds of spiritual gatherings after this, you know? Yeah, I think everyone's craving that it's like that that pure connection of being in each other's presence, you know. Yeah, I um last year, last summer I put on an event called Habits for Happiness. Mm. And um my goal for this was to really get people together. It was co-ed, any any people together just to help them like learn some of these habits that I've implemented that have helped me in my life and then also I I had spiritual things involved. So we did yoga and we had some sound baths. Um, Cause my thought was, you know, if with sound baths in particular, like you don't really need to be a spiritual person or understand to get the benefits of that. All you mm-hmm. need to play there, the vibrations flow through you and really help align, align you. Um, and then we did some meditating and I went through um, some, some of my suggested habits for happiness. Mm. Could you describe to me how a sound bath works? Yeah. So, um, they use, uh, typically Tibetan like crystal bowls, like singing bowls are called mm-hmm. each bowl is attuned to a different frequency. Um, and each of our energy centers, our chakras, um, are at, are tuned to a different frequency. So mm-hmm. these, um, healers that, that use singing bowls and do sound baths, they, um, play these in a way where it kind of like flushes your energetic system and really just puts you in this relaxed state and realigns, um, realigns your chakras. Mm. So, okay, it's, so there's no actual bath. No. 
<laughs> okay. No, I haven't had one. No. Uh, a friend of mine is uh, currently studying Chinese medicine. And she said that, well, when she was in school, uh, one of the practitioners that would teach a class would often start a class by having them close their eyes and they would come around with the singing bowls and just tap it and then move it around their head. And uh, when she visited me uh, sometime earlier this year, maybe, or late last year, she brought a couple of her own bowls. And when she did it for me, it, like she just pushed it around my head a couple of times. And I was like, man, these sounds are intense. Like I can definitely see how it has that effect. And I, I've had similar experiences myself. Like I often go to sleep with uh, 432 Hertz music. And when I'm in a high state of meditation and I can empty myself of all my daily thoughts or whatever like that, then whatever emotions or thoughts are left over, I can literally feel the vibrations basically moving through me and bringing them back to equilibrium, essentially. That's awesome. I love it. So you've kind of had a little little bit of it. I highly recommend it. I mean, they're so relaxing. Mm-hmm. It's a great We have them um, here before COVID um, every Sunday. I would try and go every Sunday just to kind of start your week off, like really just relax, get a fresh slate going mm-hmm. for the- I'll send you, um, I'll send you one that's recorded that you can listen to at home. Okay. It's not the same, but right. it, yeah. it, it's still pretty good. Yeah, for sure. I'd love that. Yeah. So I'm curious, uh, out of those, what are the, what'd you call them? Habits for happiness. What could you share some of those with me? I'd love to hear them. Oh yeah. Um, I'm sure that you probably practice some of these. The main thing is, um, your morning. So taking over your morning routine and the majority of society is immediately waking up and grabbing their phone and, and giving their energy away to social media or the, you know, emails, or text messages. So, um, what I practice with a lot of my clients is really like taking that time for you. So give yourself like at least like the first 30 minutes to an hour to do whatever you call your habits for happiness. Me personally, I wake up and I write down three things that I'm grateful for. I uh, set an intention for my day and then I meditate. And after that, I usually try and do some sort of exercise or movement. And sometimes I like to exercise at night. So I'll at least put on some music and dance around Mm -hmm. just to get, you know, energy flowing through my body. Um, But yeah, so they're very simple. It's really like whatever it is, it could be reading. Like maybe you take that time to read. The biggest thing is, is like take take that morning sacred time for you to um, really start your day off. Right. And you'll see that. I mean, and I mean, my gratitude practice, like anybody who starts implementing a gratitude practice, it's going to, it's going to change your life. Mm, Almost definitely. Yeah. I've noticed that for myself big time. Yeah. And uh, my morning is, you know, I've only recently been more disciplined and diligent with actually waking up early because uh, since the lockdown, I haven't had to set an alarm. So for the first like month, I really took advantage of that. And some days I would end up staying up until like two or 3 AM and then waking up at like 11 or 12. And I was like, I got to stop this. Not only because, um, I found I was sleeping more, but just because I wanted to experience the morning. I wanted, like, I want to get to the point where I'm waking up with the sun and going to bed with the sun. Like that's my ideal, but I know it's going to take me some work to do that because I find it might be just where I am now health-wise. Like I feel, I feel like there's some changes I need to make. And because I find that a lot of the mornings now I'm waking up, not necessarily groggy, but I feel like it, it takes a lot for me to come back into my body. You know, like I feel like my soul left and then coming back is really dense and really heavy. And the second I basically become awake, I find I recognize that I'm breathing really shallow. And then when I'm like, if I keep breathing really shallow, I'll fall back into sleep so easy. And I'm like trying to keep myself awake. And in order for me to do so, I've noticed lately that I need to take deep breaths as soon as I open my eyes, because if not, I'll just fall right back asleep. And my mind was like, just go back to sleep. You don't have to get up. You know, I'll convince myself of all these things. Like you don't have to be anywhere. You're only going to do your own routine. You're your own boss, all this stuff. And I'm just like, no, come on, have some discipline. So today I made sure like a friend of mine and I have committed to each other to wake up 7 a.m. every weekday. So we get on the phone right away. By getting on the phone right away and talking to each other, we keep each other awake. But we'll still often stay in bed for like a half an hour to an hour just talking. But either or either way, like I'm still making that shift 
and making it so I'm getting up early every day. And I've already noticed a big change in my productivity and just my energy level in general about how I go. I mean, well, you're, you're aware. So Mm -hmm. that right there is the the first step. And even being aware that like you're breathing shallow, like maybe you need to do some breath work. Like Mm. there's some breath work techniques that you can do that'll help wake you up. Like one easy one is like a four count. So you'll inhale for four, Mm -hmm. hold it for four, exhale for four, instead of holding it um, on the exhale for four, just immediately inhale again. So there's, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a few different versions of this particular breath work exercise. Mm-hmm. Like one, you hold it on the inhale and on the exhale, and that's really good for balancing. Mm-hmm. But if you just hold it on the inhale, that's going to increase your energy. Or if you just hold it on the exhale, that's going to help you go to sleep. Oh, Does that make sense? yeah, I think so. Yeah. So holding it on the inhale increases your energy and holding it on the exhale relaxes you. Yes. Wow. And then okay. both doing both is going to really balance you. Right. Okay. So if you're already like in the energy you want to be, you don't want to change your energy state, then you would, you would just do both. Yeah. Yeah. And that, and that is just really going to help you become calmer. Mm-hmm. Like usually I would do this before we go into like a guided meditation. Right. So, like um, so uh, is some of the breath work you do similar to that of like, uh, I think, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but holotropic breathing, holotropic familiar with that. I'm not familiar with that. No, no. I've okay. Mine through either teachers and then also going through my yoga training. Okay. Pranayama is a, is a huge portion mm. of yoga. Right. Yeah. Well, the, essentially the idea, I think it's very similar. It just might be from a different uh, culture or, you know, background. I read a book last year by a psychologist named Stanislav Grof, I believe his name was. And he was a psychologist, I think in like the sixties and seventies. And he worked with people with holotropic breathing and as well with uh, psychedelics. But he said that he could use the breathing techniques to induce similar effects to psychedelic experiences. So he would also like hypnotize people and put them in these heightened state of consciousness from the breathing. Like he would get them to do the breathing techniques. And all of a sudden they feel like they're having a psychedelic trip essentially. And he's gotten people to like uh, do like past life regressions and stuff like that. They would, there was a, I think one of the stories was really interesting. A woman I think what happened was she always had this pain in her shoulder or something like that. And she went to several different doctors and none of them could ever explain it. They said, that, you know, there's no inflammation. There's nothing broken. There's nothing cut. Everything's fine. Your shoulder's fine. Basically told her it was psychosomatic. And then when she worked with Stan Groff, uh, he got her to go into uh, like a, a deep state of hypnosis. And he just basically got her to relive a moment from a previous life. And she just started describing it as if it was happening to her at that point. And she was apparently in battle somewhere and was shot with an arrow in her shoulder. And then she went through all the emotions and all the fear and all the pain again in that moment. And then as he basically guided her through letting it all go. And then when she let it go the next, like when she came out of hypnosis, she felt immediate relief and just overwhelmed with joy. And apparently after that, she never felt any pain in her shoulder ever again. It's incredible. I know, right? Well, I've heard of other stories like that. And I mean, that's just, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Your breath is so powerful. I mean, it's our connection to life. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But yeah, the idea, I think holotropic breathing is essentially just breathing really fast, but there's more to it than that. But it's like, you know, kind of like that yogic breathing where you focus on your stomach and you pull it in. and stuff. fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's the idea is like, I guess you're bringing in more oxygen. And that just makes you more aware in general. And that can raise your level of consciousness, making you uh, able to connect to deeper parts of yourself, even parts that were beyond your own uh, body, (laughs) this life that you spent before or your higher consciousness or the the collective consciousness, whatever. Yeah, it's very cool. It is really cool. Yeah. I mean, some of the breath work that you do um, for therapeutic reasons, like you'll find like your hands start to um, tense up. Mm. your lips kind of like tense up because it's your energy trying to get out. Yes. Yeah. So you exactly. Use your breath to, to release this energy. Like, um, the one breath is like you inhale into your stomach, you inhale into your heart and then you exhale. It's like, mm. 
and you do that for a few minutes and I'm telling you, I mean, if you're interested, I'll send you. I'll send oh, you please do. I'm and, always um, open to learning more. Um, with how intense uh, it becomes. And there's mm. some really awesome breath work teachers that, that can really help you release things and let go of just stagnant energy that's been stuck in your body from the emotions that you just haven't felt or dealt with. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. And I see, I've seen that happen to myself so much. Like as I was, as I was explaining earlier about like the, the 432 Hertz, like I've had so many different experiences, even without that music of just, I basically, it's not like I'm choosing to breathe a certain way, but when I'm in a higher state of consciousness, I find my body just knows how to breathe properly. Like if I feel like some sort of emotion or physical pain, my intuition just responds properly and I just allow it to be. And then I end up breathing in a certain way. Maybe it's really shallow. Maybe it's really deep, whatever is necessary. And just to give you an example, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I started noticing like some slight tension headaches that I would get throughout the day. And it was very subtle, but I still notice it because normally I feel amazing. <laughs> it's just my standard of living is amazing. So even just the slightest bit of tension in my head, I'm like, Ooh, something's a little off. And it's nothing compared to what I used to experience. Cause when I was a kid, I used to get migraine headaches all the time. So these mm. tension headaches that I experienced were not even close to that, but I still didn't feel amazing. So I was just like, what's going on. And then when I went to bed that night, I put myself in a higher state of consciousness and I found that there was this tension in my mind. And then through breathing and becoming aware of it, I was able to basically localize it to one point. Like it was kind of all over my head, but then I kind of, I could feel it like moving up to the crown of my head. And then I just kept breathing and I was basically visualizing the breath moving through it and like breaking it up and separating the tension. And the more I did that, eventually it just all dissipated. And I was back to that standard, amazing feeling again. It was incredible. And like, that's the kind of thing that I'll tell people when they doubt things like uh, breath work or just like spiritual practices in general, because, you know, uh, I have, you know, I've met a lot of people and I was one of those people that doubted those things. So when people say, you know, prove what you're saying, I'm like, well, my proof is not going to be sufficient for you because I could tell you that I used my breath to get rid of a headache, but that's not going to prove to you anything. You might not even believe that I did that. You might think it's just my own mind playing tricks on me, but I've seen, I've seen myself conduct miracles in a sense, but to me, nothing's a miracle or everything's a miracle. It's all just laws of nature just occurring. It's just that what we consider miracle is just what we can't explain yet with scientific, uh, basically rhetoric, but we'll get yeah. there. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that is, we are so powerful mm-hmm. and I 100% believe that you definitely did that. Yeah. One of the things I actually tell to like, you know, skeptical friends or anything kind of like introducing like to the spiritual world is, mm-hmm. you know, because people find it hard to understand that like we are energetic beings. Mm. And it's like, have you ever walked into a room and somebody just had an argument, but you didn't know it, but you felt like something was off? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. energy. They yes, have to exactly. say a word and you felt that. Yeah. So um, doing things like that and even just having someone like, you know, doing opposites, like think of, you know, bring, bring to mind like someone you hate or something you hate and then, and then have them bring to mind like someone they love. Like, mm. do you feel those differences in your body? Like yeah. that's you, like you are like energetically made and you can choose what frequency you want to hang out on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And when it comes down to it, when you really look at it, like we are just uh, electromagnetism and what's that if not energy, you know what I mean? Like Atoms are like the solidity of atoms are only illusion. Like if you look down into a proton, it's not like a tiny little billiard ball. It's literally a vibration of energy. And you look down even further, you get to quarks. They're just vibrating energy in a field. So if these waves all around us, the waves of our thoughts, the waves of our feelings cannot affect us, then I don't know how else to explain all these other things because they just all line up when you really look deeply into it. And one thing you mentioned earlier that, um, a person that I've recently discovered in the past couple of years too is uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And he puts it in perfectly. I recently read, oh my God, I'm blanking on it now. I read Becoming Breaking Supernatural. Becoming Supernatural. I have that yeah. one too. Oh, it was excellent. Yeah. And I, I did a couple of the meditations. Well, I did them all while I, while I was reading it, but I've 
done a couple since then, I've kind of incorporated some of his techniques into my own meditation. And it, it, it's unreal, the effects I feel when I do some yeah. of these meditations. And he's doing like some amazing work. Like I just mm-hmm. got a letter, like he had like a couple thousand people that were every day, like sending healing energy to these other group of people that have like, you know, different, you know, issues, like whether it be cancer or, you know, some sort of ailment. And these people every day meditated for them and they saw like a 40% like increase in like happen their health. And stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm like, he's just doing, he's doing amazing stuff. And I mean, just a simple understanding that your thoughts are frequency and your thoughts are going to create a feeling. And that is how you're, you're, you're going to manifest what you mm-hmm. want. Exactly. So your thoughts are just so powerful. So the more that we can become aware of what we're thinking about, mm-hmm. um, the better our lives are going to be. And really just changing that, um, that thought pattern because mm-hmm. it, it does become like, especially like if you are somebody who really had negative thought patterns for a long period of time, it's going to take a long time to change it. Yeah. But, um, it just takes that awareness and due diligence to really be like the discipline to be like, okay, exactly. I'm not going to think like that anymore. I'm going to think like this, like, Oh no, we don't say that to ourselves anymore. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. Right. And that's all it really takes is just changing. You're reprogramming your subconscious mind, right? Because your subconscious mind is the mind that goes on autopilot. You're not choosing what's happening there. It's just kind of in the background all the time. And when you become aware of what it's doing, you can say, oh, this doesn't serve me or this does serve me and choose to encourage and nurture the ones that help you. And you let go of the ones that don't. And you just make that a daily practice and it makes major changes. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. And that's why I think people get discouraged because at the beginning, you know, you, you watch like the secret, if you know the secret, that like people are like, well, it doesn't work for me. And it's like, well, first you have to reprogram yourself from initially just always going to those negative spots. And once you can get to being at a consistent state of at least a relatively higher frequency, that's whenever you can really start to bring in the abundance and, and manifest these things in, that you want in your life. But it's, it just takes time and it takes practice and it takes discipline. Um, and consistency, but you know, why else are we here? Like other than to become our truest self and, you know, spread love and light and, and grab our brothers and sisters and bring them with us, you know? Yeah. And just have fun, you know, just enjoy yourself, just play, you know, be free. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. And I know like when you're about to say that, I was thinking the same thing about the secret and how I first came across that. My friend showed me that when I was, I think 18 years old. He's like, oh man, I was watching Oprah <laughs> and this, <laughs> this crazy lady was on there and I thought she was so nuts, but she started speaking. And then all of a sudden I started resonating what she was saying. And then uh, we watched the documentary together and I was like, I don't know, man, this is pretty nuts. But it was so appealing to me at the same time. I was like, I want this to be real. I want this to be true because I don't like my life. I want to change it. Right. But the idea behind it that you have to be aware of your thoughts, I think that's the biggest obstacle for people because it seems very daunting to constantly watch yourself. And for me, growing up, I felt that that was like somewhat fake to watch yourself and plan everything you say and plan everything you do. You're you're like being calculated about it. And that's the way I kind of perceived like psychopaths. You know, they'll they'll say a certain thing to get a certain thing. You know what I mean? They'll They'll manipulate people. They might act like they're just acting in the moment, but they're so aware of what they're doing because they're always planning to get something out of it. And I thought the good people were the people that never thought about what they did. They just naturally responded or reacted and they were just naturally a nice guy or naturally, you know, polite or whatever like that. But I had to, you know, I, I basically had to practice being polite or respectful because when I was young, my friends weren't polite or respectful. So I kind of followed suit. But then when I was a teenager, I met some friends that were what I consider to be genuinely good people. Like they never seemed to need to practice being good or nice. They just were always, they were always caring. They were always just compassionate in general. And I was like, man, I want to be like them. Like, why are they such good people? And I'm not. And then my thought was, well, I could just practice being like them. But the way I was doing it, I felt as if I was being a fraud to myself because my friend would be naturally nice, but I had to practice being nice. So then that led me down a deeper path of like, why do I not 
want to be nice. <laughs> like what's in me that has this hatred or disdain for other people? Why do I feel that way? So that just opened up a whole can of worms. And then I found out that I, I never did want to actually be mean or anything like that. I was just fear. I was full of fear and I was full of, uh, I felt like I was alone or whatever negative emotions I never dealt with from being a kid kind of caused me to do all kinds of negative things. And I just thought that's who I was, but it was just how I was conditioned. But once I realized that these were just patterns in me, I'm reactive and like saucy or brazen to people because I'm defensive about myself. But once I stopped caring about being defensive about myself and didn't care what people thought, I no longer had those reactive moments. And I no longer said mean or disrespectful things because I had no desire to do so. Yeah. I mean, that's so interesting, um, the, especially the part that you were saying about um, thinking that people who are conscious of their thoughts tend to be like the bad guy. And, and, mm. and you think of like movies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like never you, what was that, the one showtime with the, with the serial killer and like the whole narrative is in his head. So like, it's like the media has like kind of made us think that like, oh, the people who, who are thinking all these calculated thoughts, like that's wrong. So I, I thought that was, that was really interesting because I'm sure it stems back to things that you saw in the media about, you know, maybe I shouldn't be aware of what I'm thinking about. Exactly. Yeah. For me, I was like, this, something similar. It was more that I would actually actively listen when I was a kid. Mm. So it would take me a little bit to respond. And where I grew up in, in Pennsylvania, like, you know, very much a Northeastern thing, like you need to be witty, you need to be quick. Right. So, so I found myself switching to be like, how am I going to respond versus actually listening, processing, and then responding? Mm-hmm. You know, so I've had to reverse that back to let me let me listen, and then I will respond, <laughs> and then you just get faster as you go. But but yeah. yeah, it becomes a conscious practice. But you would become so fast at it that it seems like you're doing it unconsciously. Exactly. And I was kind of the same way. Like I always kind of took pride in the fact that I was clever or witty. Someone would say something to me and I'd snap back with a, a comeback that would make them feel stupid immediately. But I still had this process going on in my head that was like, what's the funniest thing I could say? How can I take them down a notch? You know what I mean? Like there was still kind of that process, but it was just so instant. It became so practiced within me that it was more so it seemed like it was like a natural reactive thing, but it was more of a, a calculated thing, but it was, it just didn't seem like that to anyone else because it was so quick. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, and we, we really need to like change that in society and, mm-hmm. and have it be, you know, rather than something witty that's going to bring them down, like it's something that's going to lift them up. And it's actually something that like shows that you listen to them, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, I acknowledge you because that's a lot of like where people's trauma comes from. I'm also taking like a trauma informed uh, coaching mm-hmm. um, course and a lot of our trauma is like not being acknowledged for our feelings mm-hmm. and not being acknowledged as a child with what happened to you. And that stems and patterns and everything. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I can see that so clearly in myself that when I was young, I responded uh, naturally, like whatever came to me, I would say, but then somebody would either get mad at me for it or make fun of me for it. So then I stopped. And then I was like, I got to watch what I say. So then I started watching what I say and everything became all calculated, but it was never, it wasn't always about being the nicest. It was about pleasing people and it was about not being seen as weak or whatever it was I didn't want to be. But then, so that's when I started to form this idea that I wasn't, I wasn't a good person because every single one of my responses wasn't genuine. It was something I thought of and then I delivered it. But then I did another like switch back and I was like, well, I want to be natural. I want what I I want to say what I truly feel in my heart, but sometimes that doesn't get a good response. But I was like, well, why is there, like I said, why is there hatred in my heart? Why is there these negative things? So then when I basically understood that and got rid of it, now when I do respond immediately because it's what I feel, it's often well-received because what I really feel is love for everyone. So now I just want to share that. I just want to share knowledge. I want to share love. And when someone says something to me, I don't have the inclination anymore to go to a witty or disparaging response. It's not about taking them down anymore. My response now, my reaction is to lift people up. So when someone says something mean to me, I'm usually just like, oh, that's okay. <laughs> you know, you feel that way. I, I still, you know, I still appreciate you and I understand where you're coming from. So it's not about 
being calculated or collected and trying to be something anymore. It's just all about sharing what I truly am. And that's the kind, and that serves me more than I could ever imagine. Like my life is drastically different now that I've made that choice to always be mindful of what I'm saying, but at the same time, always be truthful and genuine with what I'm saying. Absolutely. And it's a ripple effect too. I mean, if you respond and you're, you're coming from a place of love, that person that's receiving it is going to respond to you with love mm-hmm. and they're more likely to share that with others. So, I mean, that's, that's what we got to do. We've got to just come from, come from our heart, speak from our heart mm-hmm. and uh, follow the truth. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. So, um, you were, you said that you're doing, you work, you do some work in breath work and you also uh, do yoga. Are you like trying to make that uh, a business for yourself? Are you trying to move away from your, your regular nine to five and make that your full time? Yeah. Yes. And I also forgot to mention that I actually, am, I'm certified as a life coach too. Oh, but, cool. um, so yeah, that is the ultimate um, goal is to be able to, you know, live this spiritual side of me like full time. Mm-hmm. And um, ideally I'd like to host like retreats mm-hmm. and go like to Bali and get people who maybe just are lost or in the corporate world and just aren't really in touch with spirituality at all. And just give them like this ridiculously amazing experience. That's going to change their life and be like, Oh, you know, just a game changer. Yes, exactly. The ultimate goal is to be able to do that. But, um, for right now it's, uh, like I said, I'm getting my yoga training. So I'm going to start, start there and keep doing, you know, breath work. I do, um, I just did the other day, like I guided meditation for like my cousin's like corporate team. So things like that, where it's like these, like everybody on the call was like, I've never meditated before, or I have like little to no experience, right? I I tried, but I couldn't do it. So it's like taking those people and like really just guiding them through something, letting them know that that your breath is your connection because they have a really stressful job. So it's like the simplest thing to tell them is like, just consciously breathe. Like when you're upset, just focus on your breath. You're going to come back to the present moment. You're going to calm your body down and you're going to feel better. Mm -hmm. You know, the more that we can get our bodies out of the sympathetic state and into the parasympathetic state of healing, um, the better, especially for our society where it's just like stress and anxiety and I got to be here and I got to go there. And it's like, no, let's don't get me wrong. We have to do all those things, but it's like finding a balance to know when your body's worked up calm yourself down. Yeah, absolutely. And that's really cool that you have that foot in the corporate world. You can help people that are stuck in that type of mindset, find their way out of it or not necessarily all the way out of it, but like I said, find that good balance. Just share a couple habits for happiness. Yeah, exactly. That's that's all I'm trying to do. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, my background has been all in like, you know, the regular corporate everyday world. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, my goal is to really bridge, you know, some spirituality into that because I think it's so needed for everyone. Mm-hmm. And I don't want people to think that, Oh, I don't do yoga, so I can't meditate. And it's, right. it's not the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah, everyone, everyone pretty much needs that practice in their life, you know? Um, so what specifically do you do essentially you said you're in advertising what kind of advertising so i work for an advertising agency so i do advertising for a variety of different businesses Mm -hmm. and um yeah my whole background's in marketing i've worked in hotel sales and marketing i've worked in casino marketing i've worked in nonprofit event Mm -hmm. planning and marketing so i have a very like diverse background and i've actually been working on my real estate license because this is an outlet for me to be able to have a freer schedule and it's more centered with, with me. Cause it's like, I can help people find, you know, the home that they're looking for that they're connected to, or maybe the investment property that they're connected to and in an alignment with them. So it's a little more on my path. Um, <laughs> closer. Oh, I'm sorry. My dog. But, uh, but yeah, so um, that's what I do right now. Did you go to school for it? I went to school and I got a communications degree mm-hmm, Okay. in economics and I just kind of fell into it. You know, I'm good at it. So, you know, I really think no matter what it is that you do, 
Um, you need some form of marketing and advertising to get your brand out there. And, um, you know, the more that I can help other people do that when they're spreading good and love and light, like that makes me feel better, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, our community needs people like you. Yeah. Because honestly, speaking from my own personal experience with this, um, well, for the past seven years, I've been trying to spread truth and love in whatever way I can, but I've always been uh, reluctant to basically take a marketing or advertising approach because growing up, you know, I watched a lot of TV and I always knew ever since I was a little kid, it might've been my mom that put the idea in my head. I remember when I was like four or five, I learned something from TV and then I went and said it to my mom and she's like, well, you can't trust everything on TV. TV doesn't always tell the truth. And I was like, what? (laughs) They don't like, why would they lie to me? But then after that, it was just in my mind all the time. Like I, I always like, I'd watch commercials and I'm like, they're trying to trick me. I just always felt like advertising marketing was all about manipulation, all about trickery. So it just, I still had that setback when I tried to put myself out there more because my ultimate goal obviously is to spread what I know so I can empower people so people can take their power back and we can all be free and we can all have exactly what we need and we can all be loving towards each other and compassionate. But I was, like I said, I was reluctant to use any marketing tactics because I didn't want to be seen as if I was trying to trick people or just trying to get money or anything like that. So, uh, but over the last six or seven months, I've been addressing those issues and that patterning that I've had. And I'm like, so why am I so reluctant to advertise myself? You know, I wouldn't even like, when I first started making YouTube videos, I wouldn't even like edit them in any fancy ways. I didn't even want like flashy colors or anything like that. Cause I was like, I don't want to trick people into coming to me. I'm just going to record myself speaking and I'm going to say what I believe to be the truth. And then if they like my truth, they'll like my truth. But I'm understanding now that people do are more inclined to click on things like with flashy colors and stuff like that. And as long as I'm, you know, making it representative of still something I believe in, like all my, all my advertising now, like on my Instagram page and stuff like that is like the stuff I like to use is like space imagery and stuff like that. Cause it makes me feel calm and connected. And I'm just like, well, that's the kind of thing I'm trying to put out there. But I was always, you know, I never wanted to do that. And I always suspected that every bit of advertising, every bit of marketing was all about trickery. So I'm curious, did you ever have, um, were you ever at a point that you found yourself being manipulative in your work? And was there a point where you were like, I'm tricking people into buying stuff. I'd rather be more true about it. Or were you all, did you always have more of a true approach? Yes. To answer your question. Um, and I totally, acknowledge everything that you said and you're not wrong, but I would like to counter that, but I'll answer your question first. Um, I, the, uh, the first time I really, you know, my soul was like hurting was Mm. when I was working for the casino Mm -hmm. and, you know, the casino industry is an interesting industry. Um, there are people that are literally addicted. Yeah. So, you know, part of me felt like a drug dealer in a way. Right. And yeah. like I I only lasted there two years because I was like, I can't do this. My soul will not allow it any mm-hmm. longer. I mean, and don't get me wrong, it does bring joy and fun. Sure. And you know, a night out to a lot of people, but a lot of other people, it's you know, detrimental to their lives. Yeah. Um, yeah. and you know, different advertising that I do now, it's all most of it is all very like, it's not like pharmaceutical. Like mm-hmm. I would not work in that because I don't believe in it, but it's like, mm-hmm. cannabis. you know, I work for a cannabis dispensary. Like one of my clients mm-hmm. is that and it's like, you know, I don't mind promoting that because mm-hmm. I think that, you know, cannabis can help a lot of people and it certainly helps me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it really all depends. I mean, on like the client and everything. Um, just to go back to what you were saying about like advertising being like feeling like it's manipulative and everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I totally get that. And I know that um, people have that mindset around it. And there is a lot of, a lot of that that happens 100%. There's no denying that. Yeah. But what I will say is it's a necessary thing that, like I said, every brand needs. And we were talking about energies earlier. And if you're making and promoting and putting your ads out there with an energetic, you know, 
frequency of love and to heal, that is going to reach the people that are looking for that. Exactly. You know, and people can feel that and people know that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whenever you see some ads and you're going to, you're like, no, you're mm-hmm. trying to sell me some junk that I don't need. Right. Yeah, exactly. But, um, every, every course that you've ever bought, I'm sure advertised to you in some way yeah. <laughs> and has brought you some goodness in your life. So, you know, it's, this is obviously a stigma that needs to be worked on, but, um, but yeah, just remember that it's like, if you are coming from a place of love, you have to, you have to get out there. You know, one of, um, one of my, uh, personal development people I follow is like all about money mindset mm-hmm. and, um, how a lot of people in the spiritual space have, you know, a lot of conflict with money and making money because of like the stigma that like, you know, rich people are greedy and money's the root of all evil, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, no, 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 wait a second here. Like we need the good people to start making money so we can spread more good and more light, you know, like, I'm sorry if I'm a billionaire, I'm going to be giving more than, more than I'm taking because I don't need a lot. I would want a huge impact And I know that, you know, just from our conversation, you have that same mentality. So if we can let go of these beliefs that we have, that we are not deserving or money isn't going to make me happy. It's Mm -hmm. like, no, money is your obligation. Like Mm -hmm. money is where you need to go to, to spread your love and share it with others. Cause unfortunately that's the world that we live in, you know, the truth of the matter. It's very true. I 100% agree with everything you said, and I've noticed that over the past couple of weeks, um, I, the reason why we're connected is because we both either have connected with or work with a coach that is in that group we're in. And when mm-hmm. I started working uh, with Oliver, um, I, he basically just popped up on my feed, and I almost I almost dismissed him outright just because he calls himself an investor, and I was like, I'm not about money in general. But, you know, I was like, you know, I was coming to terms more with making money. So I was like, okay, so, you know, I realized myself that I got to play this life game. I mean, I got to make money. And if I want to do this, which is what I feel is my calling in a sense, I can't do it for free entirely because I won't eat. I won't be able to pay my rent. But if I want to move away from my nine to five job, then I need to start making money at what I'm doing. But um, so when I first connected with him, he was like, I want you to envision how much money you make a month. And I was like, I don't know. I don't want to do that. I was like so resistant towards it. And he's like, what? he's like, what's your deal? He's like, why do you, why do you not want money? I was like, I don't know. I, I just, I have so many blocks in my mind about growing up and seeing everybody as greedy and seeing billionaires ruin the world for their own need, you know? So, but a couple of things that have come to me in meditation, like uh, when I was trying to connect to my higher self being like, what is going on here? Why do I feel this resistance? And uh, one thing that came to me was very similar to what you said. And it was basically just when we put more money into the hands of more conscious people, it will inevitably end up in the hands of all people. And then another one that uh, came to me, it was like more like my mind was like preparing for an attack. It was like, what if someone says to you, why do you need money to be spiritual? And my intuitive response was, I don't need money to be spiritual, but you also don't need gasoline to start a fire, but it really helps if you have the gasoline. So I'm like, so if I'm really trying to spread the good word, so to speak, then it would really help to have that platform and to have that reach that money was just essentially just an exchange of energy can give me. So like all of what I thought about money, like everything that was holding me back about it, I've been working on for years now. Because the first time I actually encountered uh, a response to this was maybe like three or four years ago when I came across the book Conversations with God by Neil Donald Walsh. You ever hear of that one? I've heard of it. I have not read it. Definitely recommend that one. But anyways, um, he basically had the same thing. He's like, you know, spiritual people shouldn't have money. And God says why on your world do you think it's okay to give all the money to the people who do bad things and not give any money to the people that do good things? Why aren't teachers paid better? Why aren't doctors paid better? Why, uh, why are sports people like not saying they're like their profession is bad in any way, but why are they given the most money? You give most of our money to entertainers 
rather than to people who are actually doing good in the world. And I was like, man, that's, that's a damn good point. And yeah, but you know, um, like I I was mentioning one of the personal development leaders I follow that is on this. The reason he says that, um, you know, sports NBA stars or whatever make more than a teacher. It's Mm -hmm. their impact. Mm. How how big of an impact you make Mm -hmm. is going to be corresponding to how much money you make. So the teacher, yes. Okay. So, you know, 30 people in your class, you know, maybe you're getting like a hundred kids a year or something versus Mm -hmm. like, you know, however many people watch NBA, like Mm -hmm. a million probably, you know, you have a much larger um, impact that you're making, whether it's good or bad, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the, the quicker that we can kind of let go of these beliefs. Cause I grew up like with a very cheap dad, like mm. it was like ingrained in me to like save money. And like, I've been doing a ton of work on this and like, I've been, you know, I've bought things that turned out to like, I've invested like large amounts of money that turned out to not work and not be right. And it wasn't coming from a good place mm-hmm. and for me to be able to just let that go and just trust and have faith that money is energy and money is going to come back to me because I'm doing good. Mm. And I connected with Oliver just yesterday um, through his live with Shaman Durek. I love Shaman Durek. If you've um, not looked into him, I have. I've only recently because of Oliver. Yeah, I have his book. So I actually follow him and got connected to Oliver from there. But, um, you know, his affirmation was, I am paid for my presence. Mm. And I was like, I love that. This morning <laughs> I meditated on that. I was like, yes, I am paid for my presence. Yeah. Because, you know, how many people I've met are just like, I love your energy. I love your energy. So it's like, if I can just manifest that, like, mm. I'll be good. Cause I just want to spread light. I want to spread goodness and, you know, help people become better versions of themselves. And the more that we can raise global consciousness, like the better that this world's going to be. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Yeah, that's very cool. So how do you, uh, I, I always like to ask this question, where do you see our world going? Like, how do you see us evolving? How, what, what does the new free, new earth, you know, what does the free world look like to you? How do you see us moving towards that? I mean, okay, I'm going to answer this in a few different ways. Like, I think that I see a vision like, very far down the line, but it may not be in my um, personal, this body form, mm-hmm. but um, maybe, you know, down the line. But I think eventually if we as a collective can all be on this same frequency and work as one mind, um, I think we're going to tap into a whole new universe. And from there, it's like communicating with other galaxies I think we're all just discombobulated and it's like, you know, there's some meme about like tele telepaths and stuff. And it's like, well, I, you can't know what I, what I think because you know, I have all these fears and da da da. And it's like, mm. no, if we actually like, we're all in the same frequency became one mind, you know, basically as a collective humanity, mm. like just imagine like how powerful that would be. So that may be a little far off, but um, that is, that is where I would, I, that's the ultimate goal is to the more that we can get people to that same frequency of love and we can connect from there. Mm -hmm. Um, Ideally. I mean, we're in such a crazy world right now. It's just been super heavy, super. um, There's so much chaos, uh, which to me, gives me a lot of faith because mm. whenever there's chaos and change like this, that means that the consciousness is changing. Like the collective is changing. Like there's going to be like before the caterpillar becomes a butterfly, like it's a shit show, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. and here we are in the shit show. Yeah. So I have faith that, you know, love will prevail. Um, you know, goodness is going to come from this. And the more that we can, we can keep that up and spread positivity, like the better it will be. And you know what? It may get worse before it gets better, but as long as we all hang in there and like people like you and I, like get more people to spread the love and think positively, the better, you know, the better chances we have. Yeah, absolutely. Your dog's excited too. 
I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. It's just beautiful to see, honestly. And I agree. Like, uh, as soon as the lockdown happened, a couple of my friends asked me like, what do you think about all this? I'm like, I'm excited. <laughs> like I obviously feel for the people that are directly affected, but at the same time, like before there was ever a lockdown, before there was ever riots in the street, before there were, Australia was even on fire, before all that happened, at any given moment, considering how many people we have on the planet, you could always be certain that thousands of people were starving to death. You could always be certain that somebody was being murdered, somebody was being raped, somebody was, there's a certainty at every moment that that was happening to someone. So things were bad before all this happened. You know, there was reasons to make change before all this happened. But then things happened that affected the whole world. And then everybody that was like, yeah, bad things are happening. People are starving. People are getting killed. But, you know, there's nothing I can do from where I'm sitting. Now they're being forced to look at their own life and think, am I doing everything I can to make my life better and the world around me? Because otherwise they would have never been affected. So I honestly think it takes something like this, something that really jars the consciousness of every single human on the planet to make them really think, you know, we got to make some changes. And now just in the past week, the amount of uprising and people coming together for a, a worthy cause is so inspiring and so exciting to me. It, it's unreal to see. And yeah. like I, every moment is the unknown and it's, I've always said that the unknown can be very scary or it can be very exciting. And if you focus on how exciting it can be, then you are drawing in the the universe, the potential reality that uh, can be uplifting and positive more so than the one that is scary and negative. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I agree with you. I mean, this, this whole quarantine thing has been one of the best things that's ever happened to me. And mm. I think for, you know, the collective as well. I mean, like you said, like, of course, like, it's been terrible for, for the people that are affected and have people, you know, passing away or sick. Mm -hmm. But um, overall, I mean, you just see, you're like, it made everyone slow down. Mm. Slow down. Mm -hmm. Slow down. Like you running to your job to get your paycheck is mm -hmm. not going to bring you happiness. And, you know, you see like, like my sister just had a baby. She got to spend more time with her newborn before mm. she, had, you know, put her in a daycare. And you see like parents actually spending time with their kids, you know, where they've never really got to connect with those kids. That's going to mean the world to those kids to like have those moments with their parents. Like I never got that. My dad worked 14 hour days. You'd see him a little bit in the morning, a little bit at night. And it's like, you know, that that's just going to make such a difference um, in the long haul. Yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Cause like you said, like when we grew up, our parents were constantly at work and we were, we'd go to school, we'd come home, we'd wait for our parents to come home. We'd have supper and then we'd go do our own thing and go to bed. <laughs> you know, that was pretty much it. That's the way I lived anyways. Uh, on the weekends, I spent time with my parents, but as I grew up, I, you know, cared more about seeing my friends anyways. But now young kids are able to see their parents all the time. And that might cause some tension. Honestly, some parents might be drove nuts, but that's like, you got to have that tension because then you get to know what it is, why you, you're forced to deal with it then rather than like if you have a disagreement with your kid and you don't really see eye to eye with them for whatever reason, but the world was normal, then you would just have these ways of avoiding each other. You would have school, you would have work, and then you'd come home and try to spend time with each other. But the whole time you're drifting further and further apart because you never dealt with the issues. But if you're forced to stay in the same home all the time, then those issues are going to come up. You're going to have fights. You're going to have arguments. But with fights and arguments, most times, if they're done productively, you can end up being more connected at the end of it. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. For sure. And that's exactly it. I mean, just understanding your kids, like not from your perspective, but really getting down and understanding their perspective. Yes. Like, how are they viewing this situation? You know? oh, I can't imagine what it's like to be like a 10-year-old at this point in time. Me either. Like I never had a, a concern in the world when I was 10 years old. My concern was like, like, you know, I didn't really have, like there was the internet, but it wasn't like we weren't on it, you know? Oh yeah. So different. It was very different. Yeah. Everything was drastic. So much has changed in our lifetime alone. It's, it's mind blowing to me how exponentially it's grown over the past, just even 10 years is unreal. The changes on this earth that has happened in the last 10 years. And I think it will. 
continue to do that. Oh yeah. hundred percent. We're moving into the, the golden age, as they say now, but like you said, it's going to have, there's going to be turmoil. There's going to be, there's, there's going to be a lot of unease and a lot of chaos, but that's how we come back to order. That's how we return back to uh, calmer equilibrium overall. We got to yeah. understand that the way we were doing things didn't work and there needs to be massive change. And there is a group of people that do not want change. So they're going to fight against it. And that's where the people in the streets are doing the uprising because they understand that there's people that are fighting against them and it's necessary to show resistance to that type of mentality of someone else trying to control you, but you're not going to let them. You're going to take your power back. You're going to decide who and what you are and who, what you do. And when more and more people take that upon themselves to choose for themselves, rather than, you know, letting the world choose for them, then we're going to see a massive shift and it's already happening all the time anyways. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> it's funny, yeah. Every single podcast I have is always basically the same thing. <laughs> you know, I'm either talking to someone who sees things the way I do and we talk back and forth about different ways we see it, but it's basically the same idea. Or I'm speaking to someone who has like not drastically, but somewhat different views than me. And then we just discuss and come to compromise about what we truly want. And it always comes back to the same thing. Everybody wants to feel love. Everybody wants to feel safe. Everybody wants to have some sort of connection with their loved ones. Everybody wants to feel free. You know, we all have those desires. It's just that we've all been kind of indoctrinated into believing certain things that make us think that we can't have those desires. And then that if I have this desire and I want this thing, then the other person can't have it. So, you know, there's that whole divide kind of mentality. And there are people that are taking advantage of that divide and conquer type thing, but we're seeing right through it now. It's becoming obvious to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I hope people realize that they don't need all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Have, have fun, you know, yeah. you've been stuck at home now. Like, hope you realize, you know, that these material things that the the media and advertising is telling us that you need this to feel happy. Mm-hmm. Like, no, like all, anything external is not going to bring you happiness. Only, only from within. If you can find your love and for yourself, then you're able to have somebody else be able to love you. Yes. And you can love others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But without, without self-love, it's virtually impossible. Yeah. It, it, you know, you might feel like you're feeling that love, but it's a different kind. It truly is. Because when I used to think I loved people when I was younger, it was drastically different from how I feel about people now. Because for me, a lot of it was about what they were to me. Like mm-hmm. a, an example I often give is that when I was younger, of course, I loved my parents. Uh, but the times that I really felt intense love for my mother, for an example, was when she was of service to me. Like I would come home, I, I moved away, and then I'd come home for summer or Christmas, and I would come in the house and I would just want to relax and do nothing. I loved going back to my old lazy self when I was home. I would just lie on the couch, watch TV. And my mother is like so like compassionate and she just wants to make me happy. So she would just be like, can I get you anything? Do you want me to make you a sandwich? And I'm like, hell yeah, I want you to make me a sandwich. And I mean, that's the moments when I would be like, man, I love my mom so much. She's so great. But then I had reflected on that years later and I was like, what if she never made me sandwiches? What if she never served me the way she does? Would I still have that same love? I was like, yeah, I would, but would I feel it as deeply? So then I really had to reconsider. I was like, what is it I truly love about my mom? What is it that I, you know, it has to be something beyond just her being of service to me. And then I basically, not that I stopped letting her be of service to me, but I stopped caring so much about it. And mm-hmm. then I started to see her for who she truly was. And I was like, yeah, I just I love mean, her as a human. It's amazing that you recognize that too, because the way that that would kind of manifest in your future, your future relationships is if you didn't have, you know, a girlfriend or wife that was servicing you, mm-hmm. you not be associating that like, they don't love me. Exactly. You know? yeah. And it's like, well, that's not the case. Everyone, you know, loves in different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really great for you that you are able to take that introspection and just um, be able to work through that. Yeah. Save you a lot of, stuff down the line. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Cause yeah, I've seen the same thing in my friendships as well. You know, like all my friends, I love them, but if they weren't who I wanted them to be someday, 
then I'd be like, I hate my friend today. You know, I'd be mad at them because they weren't acting the way I wanted them to act or, you know, being what I wanted them to be in order to compliment me in whatever way that I desired, you know. But now I truly do just have an unconditional love for all beings, no matter who they are, no matter what they are to me. They don't ever have to do a thing for me. They don't have to lift a finger. I'm still going to love them no matter what. And yeah. that love is beyond any love I've ever experienced in my life. It's what it truly, it's like, it is that unconditional love that your parents give you. It's just that it, I have it now for everyone. And I feel as if on a deep level, everyone has it for me, even if they don't feel it or see it, you know, cause at the core, we're all the same thing anyways. And we just want to love each other. Yeah. Unconditional love. That's, that's where it's at. I mean, and really have to <laughs> that down unconditional as yes. in no conditions like exactly. it's just love it's just your love mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah uh yeah well i don't feel as if i have much left to say honestly that was a beautiful way yeah, of ending it anything, anything on your mind um thank you i yeah. really really appreciate this it was so great to connect mm-hmm. i'm excited for um our future mastermind together Mm-hmm. get some advice from you and give you some tips on marketing and advertising. Yes. We'll um, help each other grow and help each other change this world together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have you been attending? I don't know if I noticed you or not, but have you been uh, partaking in any of the mastermind calls that we do on Monday evenings? I just joined the group yesterday. Oh, oh, interesting. Right. Yeah. You mentioned that earlier. Yes. Oh, so cool. So will you be attending on Monday? I think it's 1030 my time, I think, but it's 630 in well, where? My time. It is 630 your time? Pacific. Yeah. Uh, Awesome. So will you be able to attend this one coming? Yeah. Awesome. I look forward to that. It's really cool. It's a lot of fun. Uh, It's really cool to have that community uh, for me, especially because um, for the last several years, it's not that I didn't have anybody with me on this path. Like my friends are all very conscious people as well. And I feel like everybody around me is becoming more conscious, but to meet with people that are doing almost the exact same thing as I am, like they're trying to get themselves out there to share what they know to be true. is it's a wonderful thing to have that community and I'm seeing it grow all the time. It's so cool. I'm super excited. Yeah. Super excited. Wow. Yeah, no, I mean, collectively, We'll, we'll make some good changes and help each other. Absolutely. Well, Maggie Fromm, right? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being a guest. You really saved my ass today because it's not like it would have been a bad thing, but uh, I try to put out an episode every week. And like I said, my guest wasn't able to make it. So it's really cool that I was able to just grow in our group and say, hey, anybody want to talk? And there you were. Yes, absolutely. Thank I appreciate it. Really, really appreciate this. Great conversation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.